Ciao, this is Lucas. Welcome to the Toast of the Wild East, podcast for ambitious Toastmasters willing to raise their game. In this podcast, I interview guests willing to share their insights about applying what they learn in Toastmasters in their professional career to help you do the same. Today's guest is Michal Juhas. Michal is a tech recruitment expert who helps recruitment, sales, and tech teams fill more IT vacancies and get clients. Michal is an ex-CTO in a $70 million revenue startup, trained 27,000 and more IT and HR professionals online. And Michal is also a part past president of Bohemian Toastmasters and a founder of Prague Business Toastmasters, my home club. Michal, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Lukas. Thanks for having me. Michal, do you consider yourself a busy person? Um, yes, yes, and I would say uh, that's a good thing, right? I always say it's uh, better to be busy than uh, to be bored. That, yeah, that's that's certainly true. So, out of these things that keep you busy, let's say during the day, which of them do you enjoy the most, and are there some that you do not enjoy that much? Well, in general, I like to start new projects from scratch, or new build new products, or even uh, to start new companies. Uh, so, I'm usually. Uh, the kind of person who is uh, starting things in general, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, starter in the team, mm-hmm. and um, that comes with um, a diverse uh, set of uh, tasks usually. But then I struggle sometimes to you know keep repeating these tasks um, after some time. So sometimes it's after a week, sometimes after a month. So um, it's just good to eventually pair me with someone who is better at completing those tasks. So I wouldn't say I have any particular favorite task it's it's uh, about the diversity of the tasks and i thrive when i'm exposed to a, a range of different tasks i learn how to do them or i somehow absorb from others how do they do it but then i cannot just repeat these tasks after, after some time got it so what would be super annoying to you is if you would have to be doing the same thing over and over for a long period of time oh yeah 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 that would be uh, very annoying got it we met in Toastmasters in 2012 when you were starting the Prague Business Toastmasters Club. I'm curious, what was it like for you back then starting a new Toastmasters Club? Why I believe you still are a member of another. And also, why did you do it? Why did you start a new Toastmasters Club in the first place? Mm-hmm. Well, the Bohemian Toastmasters was a great club with a great atmosphere. Um, however, it felt like um, something is missing um, for our um, business counterparts. So for people who I knew from the business environment, they just didn't feel like they want to join Bohemian Toastmasters because of the, uh, the vibe or, or the culture, which was uh, quite specific back then. And I would say it was great for the existing members, but it just didn't resonate with uh, business professionals or young business, business professionals. Um, so uh, that's why we started the other club, Prague Business Toastmasters, um, that was supposed to uh, be more um, inclined towards people who were between 25 and 35 years old, and they had already uh, some, some business aspirations or they wanted to, um, to, to progress in their career faster. And we were offering them Toastmasters as a way to progress their career because they would learn communication skills and leadership skills, which eventually resonated well with them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the 
older in the Bohemian Toastmaster Club. I understand that for you, things were working quite okay. You say it was a good club, good atmosphere, but you saw their potential. There was a group that wasn't served by this club. So you decided that you would be among the people who are going to start a new one. What was your main motivation? Because you could have been maybe more relaxed staying in the old club. <laughs> yeah, true, true. But I mentioned already, I like to start uh, new projects uh, from scratch, right? And I saw uh -huh. this as an opportunity to start something new again. And um, when I use some, uh, some parallel with uh, the business world, again, it's like having a product. You may have a great product. You know, the product may have five stars on Trustpilot or uh, wherever on TripAdvisor, but there are other people who are just not interested in that product because it's not for the particular market. Mm -hmm. So um, so now in hindsight, I see the other club as another product just for a different audience, for a different market segment. Mm -hmm. And um, and this that's also how we approach business these days. Like we have one company, but in the one company, we have a few different business lines and each of the business line uses the language of the particular audience and or target uh, target audience target market um so this is um, in hindsight I, I probably didn't think about it uh, back then in such a structured way but now in hindsight if i look at what we were trying to achieve and i look at something we do now in business it's pretty much the same to identify what people are interested in what is the gap on the market and there was clearly a gap uh, when it comes to these business professionals interested in advancing their career so we just um, created a new club uh, from scratch that eventually um, was quite successful and it's still operating now uh, even after, what is it, seven, eight, nine years probably? Could almost nine 10 years. years. Almost 10 years, yeah. It's crazy, crazy. <laughs> you know, you, you already mentioned that you are using a similar way of thinking in your business. And I remember that was it already maybe back in 2012 or 2013 that at some point I remember you coming you coming to a club meeting and t telling everyone okay guys i am going to thailand so goodbye what was it <laughs> what happened then <laughs> well um i had this urge to start a new company <laughs> <laughs> the club was already running too well <laughs> yes yes so all, both bohemian toastmasters and prague uh, business toastmasters so uh, um i relocated uh, with the family to thailand to bangkok where we started a new company which was really crazy now when I'm thinking about it. We didn't know the market. We didn't really know the industry. We had um, very little connections on the ground, yet we just relocated and started something again from scratch, mm -hmm. uh, which turned out to be the, the most crazy adventure um, so far. How did, how did this happen to you? Like, you know, how did this opportunity come to you? So I had a friend um, who I knew from Prague he uh, was a businessman, uh, an investor, and this opportunity somehow landed on his desk. So he relocated to Bangkok um, because he already knew the other co-founder. So, uh, so at some point, there were two of them in Bangkok. And since I knew Tomáš, his name is Tomáš Labotka, uh, so I knew Tomáš from Prague. He was suddenly in Bangkok and he was calling me like, hey, Michael, um, we had this crazy idea we are getting some investors on board. Um, <laughs> would you would you uh, like to be even considered as the CTO of this startup? And I'm like, wow, like 
I, I didn't even know where, where Bangkok is. So I had to look it up on, on the map. <laughs> <laughs> so that was um, really interesting. And um, eventually within two, three weeks, I relocated at first just for three months and then for five years with my family. Yeah, so my daughter was born in uh, Bangkok and my son uh, was born back in the Czech Republic and um, he flew over when he was just three months old. So as mm -hmm. soon as he could. Mm -hmm. Exciting. Um, I'm wondering, but did you have experience with starting companies before? Have you started anything before doing that thing in Bangkok? Yes, yes. I started a company in uh, Czech Republic. It was um, um, also a startup, a tech startup. Um, I fundraised uh, money from investors. Um, however, it didn't um, go as, um, as we all um, envisioned. So mm -hmm. um, eventually it uh, died out. I was uh, freelancing and consulting back then. So um, I was quite flexible. Mm -hmm. I could work for, uh, for clients in uh, the Czech Republic, even remotely. So um, that's why it was so easy for me to just uh, move for two months. It was right before Christmas, probably in uh, October. So I spent two and a half months roughly in Thailand. At first, I thought I'll just go there for two months and I'll see how it goes. And then in January, I returned back. So that was uh, fun. Mm -hmm. Right. Then it, then it went out of hand and you stayed for five years. Yeah. 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 Cool. You know, I'm, I'm thinking that when you were starting a new thing like a Toastmaster Club or then when you're starting a real company, then it's growing really big. I guess there's a lot of things that are very, very different. But uh, were there any things that you found that were similar between those two things, between those two experiences you had? Between Toastmasters and a company? Mm -hmm. Between starting Prague Business Toastmasters and mm -hmm. starting, was it, we can say the name, right? So it was hodled, hodled quickly. Yes, yes. So um, you certainly need to assemble a team. Um, both um, approaches have uh, their pros and cons. So um, mm -hmm. in, a, in a company or in a business environment, you can pay people uh, usually when the company is established, but at the beginning, you don't really have any money to pay salaries. So mm -hmm. you need to get people excited. You need to motivate them at first, which is um, uh, very similar to what we did at Prague Business Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. We um, also uh, couldn't pay anyone, right? That's, that's how Toastmasters <laughs> works. Uh, even I mean, you could, but it would be out of your pocket. So <laughs> true, true. <laughs> So um, we had to find other ways how to motivate um, people to work for Prague Business Toastmasters because everyone, you know, is busy generally, right? Like these people who are high achievers, they have lots of opportunities. So uh, mm -hmm. we had to sell them the new opportunity to start a new club. And I still remember talking to Andrea Andreatomska about this new club and the idea, like who could be the target group and how will we change the... Uh, the perception that Toastmasters is also for business people. So um, there was uh, quite a lot of selling involved mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in this initial stage as well. Mm -hmm. And when you say selling, do you think you could give a more specific example for those people who are not that familiar with how sales works? So uh, in the business environment, you are selling um, pretty much every day. Um, now I'm looking at it from my from my point of view as the business owner or a, a manager. So I'm selling to new candidates. I'm selling the opportunity to work with us, right? I'm selling 
products. I'm selling services on the market. I'm like selling ideas, right, to our team members because um, they need to eventually work on those ideas to make them happen. So um, that's that's what I mean by selling. You know, it's not just sales as in a grocery store, but sales of ideas, sell sell the opportunity. You are constantly approaching new people on LinkedIn or via emails. Even when I'm inviting uh, potential speakers uh, to join my podcast, I'm selling them the opportunity to speak on my podcast. So I need to find an angle which is interesting for them. So um, similarly, when we are starting a new club, we need to identify who would be good uh, team members uh, to work with. Um, probably someone who also like me likes to start things from scratch, right? Because then it would be relatively easy to sell this idea to such person. You could say like, hey, Lukash, I know you like starting uh, new things from scratch. Look, I have this idea to start a new project or new new club um, and it could work this and this way. So um, if you are interested in uh, starting new things from scratch, then you would be much more likely to hop on this new club um, in comparison to someone who rather likes to just maintain or administer existing uh, things or projects. Mm -hmm. Got it. That's, that's right. Um, I remember sometime in the past when we spoke, you also mentioned something like you try to do the same with your employees or with the people who work on your team, that you try to match their their skills with opportunities or something like that. Do I remember it right? Yes, yes. Um, these days, it's really interesting how people, when they work remotely, how they can work on very specific roles. So um, we are able to dissect one role, for example, of a senior recruiter to five smaller micro roles. So for example, a recruiter um, is usually sourcing new candidates, screening candidates. The recruiter is also um, arranging interviews and the recruiter can also be communicating with clients, right? That's the standard uh, senior recruiter's job but we can dissect it to five different roles. And um, uh, there would be, for example, someone working as a sourcer, which means looking for potential candidates on social media or on LinkedIn or in a database based on predefined uh, criteria. So if you, if you think about the nature of this job, it's probably someone who is an introvert, someone who likes just working with a spreadsheet. And there are people out there who just want to do this eight hours a day. On the other hand, there are some other people who just like interacting with people, um, calling random strangers. So those are better to just screen candidates that someone else finds, like the sorcerer, for example. So, um, so this way, you know, when we really think about these micro roles, uh, we can target people who have precisely the right skill set. Because even if I, as a a relatively senior, you know, a, um, a recruiter specialized in IT recruitment. You know, if even if I look at my skill set, there is someone better at sourcing. There is someone better at screening. There is someone better at uh, um, I know, interviewing candidates. If we focus on these very specific roles, but overall, I'm I'm a good a senior recruiter. Just if we break down these roles and identify who is specifically a good fit for each. 
then we can find better specialists. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So you already mentioned, you already described on the example of your current business. And that was again, right? It was after you came back from Thailand, you came back to Slovakia, then you started another new business of your own. Uh, could you describe, you know, what was the process as you were coming back and you were deciding what will be the new thing that you're going to do? How mm -hmm. did you start it? Well, it was uh, lengthy and uh, iterative, I would say, because at first I knew I want to start something again after after uh, I, I left uh, Thailand and moved back to Europe, but I didn't know exactly what, uh, just because I didn't want to start another project in e-commerce. I felt it's a little too boring, so I wanted to shift to something else, but it was not really clear what exactly. So um, we, and when I say we, I mean a business partner of mine and I, we have started experimenting and we tried uh, a few a few different ideas. So when I say a few, actually we had a list of at least 50 ideas and then we used the design sprint methodology to experiment with a few of them. So we scored them based on some uh, criteria uh, such as uh, business potential or how excited are we about the particular opportunity. And then we organized design sprints. So we hired a designer, we hired someone to help us organize these uh, design sprints and we uh, created the first, uh, the first prototype. A design sprint is a methodology um, developed by uh, uh, Google. Uh, they use this methodology to, um, to experiment and ideate and get feedback from the market really quick. So even before the software is uh, developed. So we um, also organized a few of these design sprints. Uh, the first one we dropped after the first iteration. The second idea uh, went to the second design sprint iteration, but then we dropped it also. And then we had a third idea, but we ditched that one also. And uh, eventually we decided to start the Tech Recruitment Academy because uh, when I was the CTO, I saw the gap on the market when it comes to IT recruiters understanding the IT industry. So I wanted to actually help these IT recruiters to understand what they are doing, you know, what kind of technologies are they um, recruiting for, because then they can do their job uh, um, more effectively. So we, we started the Tech Recruitment Academy and eventually the Tech Recruitment Agency. So now we have, uh, we have three business lines. We are helping recruiters and hiring managers and also our technical candidates. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I think very often the notion is, you know, people would say, oh, I, I would love to be an entrepreneur, but actually I do not know what is it that I should do. But like what you are describing is you just had to have to list your ideas and then try them out. Something will work, something will not. Um, so it's not to thinking about it too much, but it's about quickly trying it and quickly deciding what works and what doesn't. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Speaking now of your of your current business, um, you know, what I'm thinking is, again, to draw the parallel between between Toastmasters and running a business of your own or starting a business of your own. If you imagine 
that there is a person who is quite fresh to Toastmasters very early in their career. Maybe maybe they're freelancing, maybe they're employed by a company, maybe they have a running a little business of their own, but it's not exactly the thing. But they join Toastmasters, so now they have opportunities to practice, let's say, to build up some of their skills that they possibly could use in the future in running a business of your own. Would you have any tips because you've tried both of these things? Would you have any tips for them where to start or what is it they should try out in those masters that, that could possibly be useful for them in the future? Well, I would say they should uh, embrace all these opportunities. Those masters uh, presents them because um, there are so many, right? It's uh, from communication skills, organizational skills, leadership skills. So it's really hard to just choose one uh, just because you don't know what you will be doing in a year or two years. So um, I would say it's better to like, really go all in and to get most out of those masters because it's really free, right? You don't have to pay for this education, for this training. And uh, probably, well, you pay a little, you know, a little fee, mm -hmm. but in comparison to some um, like real paid training programs, that's uh, marginal. Mm -hmm. So, so I would say embrace and take whatever, whatever comes your way. So there was this movie, uh, when someone was saying yes all day, right? Uh, <laughs> the yes so, man with Jim Carrey. Uh, yes, man. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, I think into a large extent, I was uh, such a yes man in many cases. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I remember Judy from Bohemian Toastmasters asking me if I want to take a role. And I was usually, you know, if not always saying yes, which eventually this accumulates, right? So at first it's really hard. But then it's easier and easier and eventually you are just running it all and you know everything about uh, what needs to be done how it should be done properly mm -hmm. so um there is no way to get to such point just to do it and embrace all these uh, opportunities those masters presence mm -hmm. i think this is really a good one what i'm thinking of because you said you just said this to say yes to uh, to different things and then, of course, if you do it in one area, such as Toastmasters, the new experience accumulates. But if you say to everything, like from all the areas of your life, then your focus gets really broken down into smaller mm -hmm. streams. So how, how for yourself, because you also said that for you, it's important to have diverse set of activities you need to do throughout the day. How do you balance that? How do you balance that you do not spread yourself too thin doing 100 things and not really focusing on any of them? Mm -hmm. yeah, great question. So just to clarify, I meant within Toastmasters mm -hmm. to say yes to all these <laughs> um, roles or organization of whatever events uh, Toastmaster organizes. Mm -hmm. uh, so now to answer the second part of your question, I mean, is the constant struggle um, and um, what was the, uh, the, the huge milestone uh, for the last two years? Actually, it was uh, when a colleague of mine started in the role of head of operations. So now he's able to take care of all the all the mundane uh, work or mundane tasks that um, were shifting my focus here and there. Because whenever you need to send an invoice, you open up a browser, then you go to you know some dashboard by default, and then you notice some numbers, right? So it shifted my focus to those numbers, and then I spent half an hour analyzing those numbers before I sent the invoice. But now it's the colleague of mine who goes to the dashboard, and he's much better in keeping focus, so I can 
focus on something else which uh, doesn't need to to shift my attention uh, so frequently but um even even beyond these uh, micro tasks it's uh, it's a constant struggle i mean i um i tend to um think like what can i start what what new product can i bring to the market and sometimes i'm wondering if it is if it is necessarily a negative a negative thing because the the new product may have a better performance than the old one so sometimes i'm thinking like hey if i don't try it out then i will not know but then when you try it out then you sort of uh, stop focusing on the previous uh, product or project so the the second thing that um, works for us is to hire a freelancer after i kick it off you know some project i kick it off or some series of webinars i kick it off and then mm-hmm. i um, I get some freelancer to just execute on what I kicked off. So the oh, freelancer right. gets gets uh, a step-by-step guide, like on Monday morning, send this email, mm-hmm. then uh, do this, then connect with uh, this Zoom account and do X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. the person can execute on it and I move on to some other thing. Okay. So this way you basically get the best of both worlds and you get to do what you enjoy the most, which is starting new things, but you also get to reap the benefits they bring because there's somebody else to, let's say, bring them to fruition or take yes, care of them yes. once they're already stable and running. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Now, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's good to be cautious about this. Uh, I struggled two years ago when my focus was shifting here and there, and I was not aware of this into such extent as I am now. So now we talk about it openly within the team Everyone knows that I'm the kind of guy who likes to, you know, think it through. I'm the creative person who has the idea, has has the vision, um, where the product or project or whatever can get. I, I kick it off. I create a flowchart. I create a funnel. I create a website. I spin off a new campaign. But then that needs to come someone behind me a week later to like really do it constantly. So uh, we talk about it within the team. And uh, now when everyone knows about it, then it's much better than it was two years ago when I was sort of struggling and I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So I guess there the takeaway is some, it's useful to have some self-awareness or perhaps Mm -hmm. reflection also to be able to identify what's your, what your weaker spots are so that you can, work with them or work around them or have your team work with them or work around them exactly self-awareness and also uh awareness of other people's strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. so within the team Mm -hmm. to be able to admit well i'm not that good in at running things like this one but carol is Mm -hmm. so i'll just pass it to carol and he will be good at taking care of this yes yes Mm, got it okay Oh, speaking speaking of weaknesses, now I'm always curious to hear when I speak about you know what works in real life. You know what were the things that uh, you learned in those masters or that you saw work in those masters. Then when you try to bring them to real life, you just see it doesn't work like this out there. And it can be on the communications part. It can be how you're dealing with people over the course of your career. Have you spotted anything like that? Something that doesn't work? Yes. Oh, that's a good one. 
something that doesn't work out of those masters. Well, well, the um, the drive and the self motivation of people involved in those masters is uh, really outstanding. So everyone joins those masters because of their inner desire to go there. No one mm-hmm. assigns them to go to those masters. Mm-hmm. While in the business environment, people don't necessarily wake up in the morning to, you know, recruit or to source on uh, LinkedIn or to, yeah. you know, send invoices uh, just because it's so boring at the end of the day, especially <laughs> when you keep doing the same thing over and over again. So mm-hmm. they often do it for money, which is not really a motivation. Mm-hmm. It's just a reward for the time spent. Um, so, um, so the, this, this is something we need to keep in mind in business. We need to find other ways uh, to motivate people. While in Toastmasters, people join meetings and they are already motivated mm-hmm. in many cases. They may not be motivated to take a role because they are scared, they fear of failure. Um, but in general, they join meetings, which is already a huge achievement. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's this basically... It's it's a filter, right? Because if somebody would not want to be in those masters, they're they're just not. They do not get any. Yeah. They don't get any reward that would make them trade, uh, doing something they don't they don't like for, for whatever reward that would be. But as wet work, you have you have to, uh, account for that. So did you find a way how to address this uh, obvious gap? How to work with people who do not have this intrinsic motivation to send uh, invoices from nine to five? <laughs> so now for each role, we define uh, some KPIs and incentive, uh, uh, an incentive scheme. Mm-hmm. So um, there are certain uh, standards that we encourage them to reach. And then mm-hmm. as soon as they reach those standards, they are eligible for bonuses. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's sort of obvious, right? When you talk about salespeople, like in, in sales, Pretty much everyone has uh, some commissions in place, but we take it further and uh, pretty much everyone in the company has some some bonuses, whether it is just 30 euros for something or 50 euros if they do something on time, but at least something to keep them interested and motivated in uh, checking out the numbers because people can, can slip through the cracks or, or the numbers can slip through the cracks if they don't check them. So, um, so this is also one way how to keep them engaged. I'm not saying motivated because money is not the greatest motivator, but at least to keep them engaged uh, to uh, constantly uh, deliver the, uh, the results mm-hmm. until they get motivated to do something else. And then, you know, they obviously leave. Yeah. yeah I, I'm thinking whether, like, if you set targets like this, if there is at least a tiny bit of, let's say, gamification because you can... It's. I think it's interesting having a target that you know is achievable. It can work in a way that you like push yourself a little bit rather than just doing things without having any feedback whether I'm doing well or not. Yeah. Okay. The last topic I wanted to ask you about is I know that you were working on improving your accent in English. How was <laughs> and and I, and I can confirm I think that uh, you definitely uh, improved a lot. So I was curious, what was your experience with that? First of all, how did that idea came come to your mind that this is something that you should improve, and how was the process? <laughs> thanks, thanks. Um, 
Uh, so uh, <laughs> it's a good question. Good question, really. Um, so I joined quite a lot of sales calls and a lot of our customers are from Western Europe or the United States. Mm-hmm. And I felt a little awkward just because I know how do I react when I hop on a call with someone who has a very strong local accent uh, from mm-hmm. Eastern Europe or from Asia. And mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has some accent, so um, I'm, I'm not judging anyone, but at the same time, uh, there, is, there is some bias, whether we want it or not. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, when you talk to someone native, then, you know, you just trust the person a little more just because he has a fluent English. He articulates the way he's supposed to articulate, right? So you don't, you don't have to um, spend extra mental energy um, trying to understand what does he or she say. Mm-hmm. So, um, so overall, when I look back in hindsight, I wanted to get better during these uh, sales calls mm-hmm. um, and it worked. It worked. I'm still far from, far from great. And um, when I focus on it, it's a little better. And when I, I don't focus on it, like now, for example, then uh, it's probably a little worse. Mm-hmm. I speak a little faster than uh, I'm supposed to. Uh, but um, what worked really well is um, one, um, one uh, audio program with an exercise book. Mm-hmm. And they were going through all these uh, words and phrases and how these phrases should be uh, pronounced. So for example, the word better, you know, better, like, uh, you know, uh, good, better, war, uh, best. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the United States, they don't say better, as I used to say before, but they say better. Mm-hmm. And, and when I saw it for the first time, I'm like, what better like with, <laughs> with double D? And they even wrote it in the book. And I'm like, really better? <laughs> uh, and, and then and then I got used to it and it sounds better <laughs> when yeah. you say better. <laughs> so you, you just get you get the satisfaction with every word you pronounce, basically. Yes, 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 yes. Well, not <laughs> not every, but those that I practiced uh-huh. and all these connections, like I uh, I knew very little about the um, the sentence, um, like tone up and down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably during this uh, podcast, I haven't done a great job in following these guidelines. But when I I'm preparing for some webinar. And I know uh, what I'm going to talk about. I think about these ups and downs and how you are supposed to modulate your voice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so um, that's definitely something I would, I would uh, encourage um, everyone in Toastmasters to, to practice because then the confidence and also uh, the, the um, professional, uh, professional outlook just in general uh, improves of the, uh, of the speaker. And have you noticed any results? Have you noticed people are reacting to you differently? Um, well, when you have a sales call, no one really comments on your accent. Um, on the, <laughs> it's on the other hand, when I you, say- You don't have evaluation yeah. sessions afterwards? <laughs> Not with our potential <laughs> customers. <laughs> okay. But when, um, uh, it's actually the other way. When I- talk to someone in the United States and I tell them like, Hey, you know, just, you know, casually, Hey, you know what? Like I'm just practicing now uh, the American accent. And they are like, no, you don't need it. Your, your English is good. That was a year ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or half year. And and I'm like, 
Yeah, I know, I know. You are just saying it because you want me to, uh, to, to think it, to think it. But like, really, in fact, I believe people are influenced whether they want it or not. Like, there is this bias. Mm-hmm. So um, the best way is just to, uh, you know, get better, better, not better. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. And you, you mentioned that maybe during this interview, you weren't focusing on it that much. Uh, so what I think is a couple of years later, we will do another interview and then we'll be able to compare those two recordings. You know, you will have more years of experience of being a true American speaker. So I think... Uh, yeah, that will be that will be a good thing to do then. Oh yes, yes, please let's uh, schedule something in twenty twenty four or so. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, uh, Michal. This this was great. This was great. I have a lot of good answers from you. Um, I really enjoyed. Is there anything that I should have asked about but I didn't? Is there anything uh, you would like to add on top of what we discussed? Well, I would just uh, yet again encourage everyone who is uh, already in Toastmasters to embrace all these opportunities. Um, There are so many. And if there are not enough opportunities in your local club, well, then start a new club. And uh, you can become a club president or you can have any of these roles. You can organize it. So um, there, there is an abundance of opportunities out there. It's up to us to take advantage of them. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And talk to you next time. Thanks, Lukash. Thanks for having me. What are your impressions? Do you also think that you must start your own business right now? Or is it maybe the opposite, that you realize that your personality is different from Michal's and that you are exactly the kind of person who likes when things have their routine and then when you can operate something that has already been started by someone else. In either case, let me remind you that Toastmasters is a great place to practice. You want to start a new club? Be my guest. You want to run a running district? Well, the elections are just around a corner. And of course, the opportunities are not only in Toastmasters. If there's one thing we can all learn from Michal, is the energy and constant initiative. If you manage to start something, well, let me know. Wish you a great day and looking forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye.